a different road to start a series, um, a brand new series that I'm starting tonight. And I had uh, Brother Kenny send out an email. I don't know if it got to you or not. But the series, I'm calling this series Clarion Call. Now, the word clarion, you know what a clarinet is, right? And so a, a clarion is actually a type of a trumpet. And uh, in other words, trumpets make a sound. And, uh, and when you think about this, uh, as a Christian, we need to make sure that we understand uh, what the Bible says and what we believe. And that we're living in a day where there's a lot of deception, there's a lot of things going on, people are, are changing. You know, we traveled while we were on vacation, we went to uh, churches, pastor went to church while he was on vacation. Now, I didn't wear a tie, but I went to church, and, uh, and, and we enjoyed it. But here's the thing is, is that as we were traveling, uh, it's interesting how, how people are, are, you know, people and church and ministries are always changing, but God's truth never changes. And see, our lives should be guided by the Word of God. And I'm amazed how many times people are always trying to get me to change. And I'm like, what? why are you trying to get me to change? I don't want to change. You know, now if, if you want to change, that's your business. You'll stand before God one day for your life. I'll stand before God for my life. But I choose, listen, and, and you may not be this way tonight in your life. And, and again, that's okay. I love you and hopefully you love me. But what I try to do, now I'm not always successful. But what I try to do is I try to line my life up by the word of God. I want to make sure that, you know, you, from time to time, you take your car in and you get your wheels balanced or aligned because they get out of balance. They, your car starts to pull to the right or starts to pull to the left. And so the computer and everything all, all aligns your tires. Well, when it comes to our lives, listen, you know, I'm looking around the room tonight. As far as I know, everybody's saved tonight. I hope you, all, you know Christ is your Savior. But even if you've been saved, just because you've been saved for 10, 15, 20, 40 years doesn't mean your life can't get out of balance, that, that the alignment gets off a little bit. You know why? Because there's always something that's pulling at you. You know, you know what a pothole is, right? And, and you're driving down the road and it's like, you know, sometimes... I know when I'm driving down the road, I'm, I'm, look, I'm always looking way down the road. We were, we were coming back from somewhere this morning, and there was a truck, and it had all kinds of, it was a huge uh, trash hauler, and, and they're supposed to have a covering over all the trash. And this guy's going down the 95, and all the trash is flying out of the back of this truck. And I looked because I thought, well, you know, he's supposed to have a covering. He had it, but his covering was all ripped. So it wasn't keeping the, the, the trash inside. So this stuff's just flying, and it, it, it's flying out and, and landing on the highway. And so I'm, I'm like doing one of these on the highway, go, just kind of like going around all the trash, because if you run over that, it's going to mess up your car, mess up your front end. And, and I didn't want that to happen. Well, listen, in our lives as Christians, daily there's going to be stuff thrown at us. There's going to be things that, that's going to cause us to swerve. And if we're not careful, when we swerve, we won't recorrect our lives. Are you with me tonight? We get out of balance. And, and can I tell you, listen, the one thing that I want you to understand through this series is God's word, 
the truth, the Bible, it's not for sale. People today, wanna, they want to discount the Word of God. They want to change it. They want to twist it. Listen, I, I love everyone. I can honestly say that. But there are people today that have chosen what they call an alternate lifestyle. God calls it an abomination. See, we've got to stay with the Bible. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, what do you think about this? Look, I, I'm way beyond what do I think about it. Here's what I say is, well, let's see what the Bible says. That, by the way, that's a good way for all of us. Instead of saying, well, you know, this is what I think. Let me give you a piece of my mind. No, I don't want a piece of your mind. I want to know what the Bible says. Are you guys with me tonight? Everybody on the same page tonight? So, so uh, let's see if we can get through this lesson tonight, if I can control myself. Brother Cordy told me after Sunday I need to calm down a little bit. But here's the thing is, is that uh, I want to start with this, and, and here's what I've entitled this first lesson is, change begins with attitudes, not with actions. Okay, just think about that. Change. See, we're living in a world that's always wanting to change. Has the world changed in your day? Yeah, unbelievably, hasn't it? I mean, some of you that are older than I am, you've seen a whole lot more change than I have. But even in my day, you know, I'm not that young anymore. And there's been a lot of change. But change begins with attitudes. Some people, as I live in this world, some people have an understanding. They kind of have an insight a little bit, more than maybe others, about the world that we live in, the times that we live in. And look at this verse here in Proverbs 23, the beginning of verse number 7. And this is a verse that a lot of you probably know this portion. For as he, what's that next word? Thinketh. Remember, it starts, it begins with attitudes, not actions. Because actions are the outflow of an attitude. So the Bible says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, as he thinketh, so is he, the Bible says. So, you know, some people, if I could say it this way gently, some people have been around a while longer, and, and they can kind of sense some of what we would refer to as the current trends of the day. You know, I had, I had three sisters. My oldest sister, she was always trying to keep up with the latest trend, the latest fad. And it was funny because when she would get a hold of what the latest thing was, it was already out of style. You know, and I'm like, Dawn, why don't you just give up? You can't, you don't have the money to sustain that. You can't keep up with it. But look, currents, trends, they come, they go. You know, I, even in churches, <laughs> years ago, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with this. But probably about five, six, ten years ago, maybe now, it, it just all of a sudden somebody decided to do it. And then it was like the current trend. Somebody decided to put wood planks on the back wall of the auditorium. Now, my, my daughter's church in Pennsylvania, they have it on the back wall of their auditorium. And it looks nice. I'm not upset. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. But, but what happens is, is there's something happens and everybody says, oh, I should be doing that because they're doing that. You know, we, look, have you figured out by now that just because the book 
says Holy Bible on the side of it doesn't always mean that it's God's holy word because if it's not an accurate copy, see, they, they market the word of God, right? People have realized this is still the best-selling book in the world. And if you're going to make money, you're, you want to make money on what's the best-seller. So what happens is we, we see these, these current trends that come along. And, and listen, what we need to do is not understand the trends of the day. What we need to do is accurately understand the scriptures and what the Bible has to say. So let me share a few thoughts with you tonight as we start this series on having a clarion call or a clear call. Because it begins, first of all, with the fact that we need to know that there is a fearful prediction. Uh, there was a group of preachers years ago, and they were sitting around, and they were discussing some things about, about the ministry and about the work of God. And one of the guys made this comment. Maybe you've heard this before. He said this, everything has a shelf life. Have you ever heard that? Everything has a shelf life. You know, like, even if you buy, like, a gallon of milk or you buy, a, 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 you know, canned goods or something, they stamp a date on it, right? A shelf life. And, and they were talking about the work of God. Well, when you study history, okay, you study whether it's ministries or whatever you want to call it, you have, what you'll find is that history shows that ministries and men and even Christian women, they rarely stay true to their founding principles with the same fervor, the same devotion, the same love for more than one generation or two. Now, folks, that, that ought not to be. Look in the Old Testament. There was, a, there was a fire that they kept in the house of God. And it was someone's responsibility to make sure that that flame never went out. And when God saved you, he gave you his Holy Spirit. And God wants you to tend that flame of your life so that that flame would never go out. The problem with Christians is, is that we've got over our salvation. We're no longer excited about being a Christian. Folks, listen, I'm just as excited about being a Christian today, probably more excited today than the day I got saved. Why? Because I have a greater knowledge of who God is than the day that I got saved. You ought to be excited about being a child of God. But we see today how history shows that so many people, you know, why do we have to believe that everything changes? Does everything have to change? I mean, there are factors that lead to that. Sometimes it's maybe a change in leadership or a boss or maybe a home situation. Sometimes it could be a, a, an unprepared transition in a person's life. Maybe it's peer pressure that causes some change. Maybe it's an economic crisis in your life. But but certain factors bring about some change. But let me share a couple of thoughts with you when you think about this fearful prediction where the Bible says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, all right? So notice the first thing that I want you to see tonight is this, that God's makeup doesn't change. Now, I'm not saying God wears makeup. I'm saying who he is, what constitutes God. God is love. God is truth. God is just. Are you with me tonight? There's many attributes about who God is. 
And when you look in the Bible and, and you get to know God, can I tell you that God's makeup doesn't change? Listen to what Malachi said. For I am the Lord, I change not. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, when you look at that, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, and God is telling us through his writing, that God is, it, look, he does not change. And the sheer fact, watch this now, that God doesn't change. Look what the very next verse in Hebrews 13 is. And the Bible goes on to say, then because God does not change, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, here's what it says. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. God doesn't change. And so look, why in the world is, is the doctrines of the word of God, what God gave to us, why do we have to change what God gave to us? Was it not good enough? I've heard people talk about uh, various verses in the Bible and they talk about how that we have more inspiration now than we, that's all hogwash. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And people act like, and I'm, you know, here's, here's, here's just a practical, logical uh, argument that I have with somebody like that. I said, you know what you're saying when you make uh, statements like that? You're saying that God's word was not accurate and it was not complete the first time. I said, my God doesn't make junk. God was fully accurate. And, and listen, when we look at the word of God, we understand that God, his makeup, who he is, doesn't change. Look, at, look what the psalmist did. He compared the changeless creator to the changing creation. Did you, did you catch that? The changeless creator, God, he doesn't change, to the changing creator. Look at these verses in Psalm 102. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Now look at these words. They, the work of his hands, they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them, not some, shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. <laughs> hey, look, folks, we're not getting any younger, right? You know, Job realized, and many other people, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? But see, God never changes. And we've got to understand that as we think about this, that the God we serve, he is immutable. That means he doesn't change. He is constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is eternal, all right? So one thing we need to understand is that our God does not change. Notice secondly here, God's message doesn't change. Now, a lot of people have, have just gone in a totally different direction with this. They, 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 these, these theologians, well, let me tell you what the Bible really says there. No, I just want to read what the Bible says. I love the phrase in the Bible, what thus saith the Lord. You know, give me what the Bible says anytime. I'm amazed how many people come into our church, they'll sit in the service and they'll stop on the way out the door and they'll say something like this, man, I haven't been in a church in a long time where they actually open up the Bible and use the Bible in church. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
You go to church and they don't use the Bible? What do you do? They entertain you or I don't know what they do in church. But look, can I tell you, I'm glad that the message of God's word is the same today as it was the day that I got saved 35 years ago. God's message does not change. Look, God didn't inspire his word so that generations later he could uninspire it for them. Some of you are looking at me like, why are you looking at me? Because even Christians today are saying, well, look, I can do this. It's okay for me to do, it's a, look, we can do that, we can live this way, really. Because when I got saved, that was in contradiction to what the Bible said. But yet now, it's okay to do that. And folks, I'm telling you, God's message, look at Psalm 119, verse 89. And by the way, Psalm 119, great, long chapter there in the, in the Bible. But three places here, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. For how long? Forever. If look in verse 152 there, if you have your Bible, if the Bible says there, he has founded them forever. He's talking about the words of God. Right there in Psalm uh, 119, I think it's verse 160, says his word is true from the beginning and it endureth forever. He says, look, my message doesn't change. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 wrote these words, the grass withereth. And the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand how long? Forever. God's message. Look, we have a God that doesn't change, and we have a message from God that does not change. But look at the third thing I want you to see tonight, and this is why we see the fearful prediction is because God's men are changing. I could say women too. But see, if God's makeup and his message doesn't change, then why do God's men and women think that they have to change? The Bible commands us to be steadfast. The Bible says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. That means don't go anywhere. You don't need some new Bible. You don't need some new technique or some new methods. Is not what God gave us good enough? I've realized this message tonight, and maybe this series, is probably not popular, but it's Bible. See, we need to understand that, that the people that God has entrusted, look, the world we live in, the culture around us, it's changing. Look what Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. Evil men and seducers shall wax what? worse and worse deceiving and being deceived that's the world we're, we're living in right now and so here, look paul's writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit he's writing to a young boy by the name of timothy who's his son in the faith and he says look timothy i'm, I'm going to tell you something now look, this was Timothy's day, and here we are many hundreds of years later. Do you think the world's got better since Timothy's day? Absolutely not. And Paul told Timothy, he says, look, the world's waxing worse and worse. Now you could say, man, Paul, he really painted a gloom and doom picture. No, here, look, the very next verse, Paul 
begins to admonish, he begins to exhort Timothy, and look what he says to him in the very next verse. He says, but even though evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse and deceive other people, he says, Timothy, I want you to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Look, you know what? I just want to stay with what has been taught to me. And I was taught the Bible when I got saved. And I choose to believe the Bible instead of, hey, what this pastor, what this church, what this denomination is doing. I want to follow God and God's word. But see, people, people are changing. Many things today that we live in, the world we live in today, things are more readily available today than they were in the early 20th century. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, so many things are so readily available. And today, many Christians, here's what they say. And again, listen, I'm not condemning you tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. Social drinking is not biblical. For a Christian to drink alcohol is in direct violation of the Word of God. Now, you might not like that, but you could take it up with the one that wrote about it. Because the Bible says that we ought not to drink that which moves it's, itself aright. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I've never, ever, ever in my life seen anything good come out of somebody drinking alcohol. I grew up with a father that drank. And I saw the effects of it. I've never seen anything positive come out of somebody doing that. I've never seen anything good come out of somebody doing drugs. We live in a world today that marijuana is legal. It's a drug. People say, well, I need it for, I need it for medicinal, oh, you don't want it for medicine. You know why you want it. You know, people, people are hooked on pornography. Listen, folks, I'm not down on anyone tonight. I'm just telling you that the Bible is clear. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we need to understand that God doesn't want us to pollute the temple. Hey, how, what, did, what was Jesus' feeling when the money changers went into the temple? Did he go in and say, oh, bless your little pea-picking heart. I'm so glad you're in here with this stuff that I don't really want in my house. You just stay as long as you want. No, no. Jesus kicked over the tables. He grabbed a whip and started running them out of there. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If there's something in your life, don't try to say, hey, listen, I think it's okay. No, that's all we're doing is we're trying to find a way to justify our sin. I, you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying that I know anybody's doing it. I'm just saying Christianity as a whole today. This is, this is we've bought this as hook, line, and sinker. And you've got to understand that God doesn't change. He's a holy God. His message does not change. It, you know, you, you look at music and dress and our language, even the way we worship in church today has changed. You know, it's like people are like, what are you doing with that pulpit? Get rid of that pulpit. You just need a stool. You know, why are you wearing a suit? Every time I get around preachers nowadays, well, you still wear a tie? You know what's amazing? They want to come to church and preach the word of God in the house of God. And then they go home and turn on ESPN and watch pro football. And all the analysts are dressed better than your preacher is tonight. But you can't stand with God's holy word and preach the unsearchable riches of God and dress like you're approaching God. Hey, read about the priest when he would enter into the holy of holies. 
and what he would put on. And if you say, well, we're not in the Old Testament. No, but the Bible says that we're a royal priest and a holy nation. When we approach God, when we worship God, listen, he's not the big man upstairs. He's my savior. He's my God. I'm not going to come to church to wearing some cutoffs. Now, listen, I'm never going to run somebody out and make fun of somebody that may come dressed that way. But listen, once God starts working in a person's life, I think that we ought to approach God with our best. Now, your best might be a pair of cutoffs. I don't know. I'm just saying that he is God. We come into his presence. When I think about how everything has changed, I, I see this a lot nowadays, the words like saved and the word Baptist. There are words now that they offend people. And, and you know, so, so they're offensive to the culture. The culture that they offend is a culture that is at odds with God already. So you're offending them for what? Saved is a Bible word. John the Baptist or John Baptizer, it's in the Bible. They baptize people. Listen, understand when we, when we think about some of these things, it's important for us to see that, that so many times today, here's what we're tempted to do, and I'm afraid this is what many churches have done, is we have softened our stand We've blended our beliefs so that we don't offend the enemies of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to offend anyone. I'm here to tell the truth, and I want to do it in a way that is, I believe, pleasing to the ears of God and a way that exhibits the love of God. But you know what people need to hear is the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that's going to make you free. People don't need to hear some lie. They don't need to hear me deceive them. I want to help people. The only way you can help them is to share truth with them. What is truth? Thy word is truth. That's why we got to share the Bible. Let's see, we're living in a, in a time right now that, that, listen, there's a lot of pressure even on preachers. Now, not on this preacher. People can pressure me all they want. But I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account of my watch as I pastor this church. And I'm not going to stand before God and say, well, you know, God has to say to me, why did you change my word? I'm not interested in changing his word. And every one of us as Christians ought not to try to twist it and distort it to fit our life. No, we ought to make sure that our lives line up with it. So, you know, we're, we're, here we are. We're, we're our standard for a Christian. If we're not careful, the standard of our life becomes the world. And that ought never be. See, the, the child of God shouldn't use the world's standard as a benchmark. If God's people, if we move with the world, here's what's going to happen is we're going to wake up someday and we're going to find ourselves miles away from God. So there's a fearful prediction. But notice it's followed with a fixed position. Because look, you know, the Bible has much to say about the, the days and the times that we live in. I don't know when the Lord's going to come back, but I'm going to tell you, I, I have a feeling that it's not too much longer. But until then, watch this, we've got to have a fixed position. It, it's sad, but, but a lot of cults today 
know more of what they believe than, than Bible-believing Christians do. They've been indoctrinated. We've got to have a fixed position. Solomon gives so many wonderful things in the Word of God, but look at the, the counsel that he gives to his son there in Proverbs chapter 4 in your notes. He says this to his son, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. If I had to summarize what I just read, and I'm not changing the word of God, but in other words, what he's saying is this, your focus will determine your footsteps. What you're focused on, oh, look at that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go that way. Oh, look at that. I'm going to go, and that's, believe it or not, I know preachers. I know Christians that here they are. They're like, well, I just don't know if things are working for me as a Christian. Oh, look at that. And then they run over here, and then they run over here. And before long, they forget where they really were when they started. Look, you have to understand, your focus determines your footsteps. I, I was reading, and in, in, uh, of course, a good friend of mine years ago, he, he grew up more in this, in this lifestyle. I grew up a little bit around the uh, farm from time to time with uh, cousins that lived over in the state of Illinois. But the, the account that he gave was this that when he was a little kid, he used to, his dad, when he got old enough, his dad would let him ride on the tractor with him. He would go out to the fields and he would watch his dad and he would listen to his dad. His dad would give him certain instructions and he learned certain things from his dad. And one of the things that he learned when he was young before his dad actually allowed him to do it was his dad told him, he said, now son, when you plow the fields, you need to make sure you plow in a straight row. And he said, I never forgot that. One day he said, my dad said to me, okay, he says, now it's your turn. He said, my turn for what? He goes, today you're going to plow your first field. And he's like, boy, he, was, he, was, he goes, I was really, really nervous about it because I knew my father was watching. And so he began to try to do this. And this lesson that he learned was a lesson not only for him, but I think it was a great lesson for us as you see that field there today is listen to this. When you plow... His dad said, don't take your eyes. He would tell him, you can't see it on this picture, but where their field was, on the other end of the field, on both sides, there were fence posts. And he would tell his son, he says, son, you see that fence post? He says, don't take your eyes off that fence post. Just keep plowing straight for that fence post. He said, when I got to the end of it, I turned around, I looked back, and he says, it was a straight row. He said, I turned around, and he said, find another fence post. And he said, I, I, I plowed right to that fence post. And he plowed the whole field like that. And, and he, he was saying to his son, he says, don't take your eyes off of it. But here's what he told him. He says, now son, while you're out there and you're plowing in the field, he says, the dog's probably going to bark. And he said, a bird may fly by. And he said, the neighbors might come down the road and they might see out in the field. And he says, they might honk the horn saying, hey, you know, and he says, but don't let anything distract you 
from what you're doing, and that is to make sure that you're plowing straight. Keep it in a straight row. Don't take your eyes off the fence. Can I tell you that someday, you and I, looking at this picture, we're going to make it on the other side of our field, the other side of our life. And I wonder if you and I, when we get to the other side of the field, our life, if we turn around, I wonder if our row is going to be straight. I wonder if, just like him, here's what happened. When he got to the end of the row and he turned around, you know what he saw? His dad was standing there going like this. I wonder if God's going to be standing there going like that to us when we get to the other side. You see, when, when I think about the life that God's given to us, it's so easy to get the row crooked. It starts, look, first of all, with a glancing away. If we're going to stay straight, remember what I told you, we've got to have a fixed position. For him, it was that fence post. Too many today are looking at what's around them, what's moving. And can I tell you, using that same analogy, here's what you're, you're going to encounter in your life as a Christian as you're trying to walk the straight and narrow way. Satan's dogs are going to be howling at you. The buzzers, the buzzards of false doctrine are going to be, going to be squawking at you. Hey, believe this, believe this. The neighbors are, they're going to come by and, and the neighboring churches are going to sound like, like uh, tinkling cymbals. Hey, come over here. Hey, listen, get away from that church that believes the Bible. Come over here where we just do whatever. We have such an awesome time. Really? What spiritually happens when you go? You see, we need to make sure that we keep our eyes on a fixed position. Can't think of a better verse than Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, like that fence post, God, listen to me now, God and his word are the landmarks in our lives that must not be removed. See, when you take, look, what's happened to the public school system when they took God and prayer out of the schools? There you have proof right there. That happened the same year I was born. I mean, it's, it's amazing how far our country has gotten away from God. You, you would think, historically, we would have learned a lesson as a nation. And how dare us to still have on our currency in God we trust. We ought to take it off. Because we're not trusting in God. We're trusting in mammon. We're trusting in ourselves. It, it, it's amazing how we just have glanced away. Look at this example here. Because here's the truth. The devil knows that your focus, listen to me now, he knows that your focus affects your footsteps. See, if he can get you to look away at that dog barking, he gets you to look away at the neighbors over there going, hey, come over to our church. He gets you, you know, looking into a different version of the Bible. Whatever it is, error. He, look, if he gets you to look away, bad things are going to happen. Here's an example in Luke 9, 62. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now look at that verse, verse 62. Does the verse say this? No man having put his hand to the plow and going back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is that what it says? Now watch this. See, here's, 
a lot of people, it's like, well, he's going to go back to this. He's going to go back to that. No, no, no. It says looking back. See, it all begins with a look. It all begins with an attitude. If the devil can just get us to look, there's a powerful truth. See the verse there? Three simple words in Luke 17, 32. What's those three words? Remember what? Yeah, remember Lot's wife. How'd you like to be Lot's wife? What's she famous for? Looking back. What an example for us. She looked back. She didn't go back. And that's what the devil wants us to do. He just wants us to glance away, to look away. If the devil can get us to look, then he knows this, that our feet are going to follow when, when we look away. He knows it's gonna, our focus is going to affect it. Look at, look at the Bible says, you know the passage here in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve are in the garden. And look at the Bible says in verse 6, when the woman saw, she looked. The Bible says she saw the tree that was good for food, and it, it was, here it is, pleasant to the eyes. The Bible says it was a tree to be desired, to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now you say, well, boy, Adam and Eve, I can't believe that. Hey, listen, let me give you another one. How about Achan? Remember Achan saw the spoils, the Babylonian garment, the wedges? He saw it, and the Bible says he coveted them, and then he took them. I'll give you another example. Samson. Samson saw a woman of Timnath. And he told his daddy, get her for me. I'll give you another one. David. David arose up off of his bed, went up onto the rooftop, saw a woman bathing herself. We all know the rest of that story. See, look, when you look at these and so many others, it all started with a look, and that look went to a lust, and that lust became a leap. That's what happens. See, it's just a glancing away, and the devil knows that. How much time have you spent with God today? How much time have you been looking into God today, being with him in his word? Uh, years ago, I heard this. Maybe you have too, but there was an old couple, and they were out one day, and they were driving somewhere, and as they were driving, they stopped their car waiting for a, a stoplight, and they saw this young couple driving by, and, and they were both looking at them as they passed, and the, the man was driving the car, and his, his wife, they thought it was her, his wife, she was sitting right next to him, and she had her head on his shoulder. And they, as they drove by, that, that older couple saw that. And the, and the older lady, she looked over at her husband, and she says, do you remember when we used to sit that close together? And he looked over at his wife, and he says, I haven't moved. Can I tell you, God's still where he was when you met him? Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. If you're not as close to God today, it's not God's fault. God hasn't moved. Maybe you and I have. See, it begins with a glancing away. But then watch this. I see a gradual acceptance. Gradual. Sometimes words or phrases uh, even among us as Christians, they have a way of affecting the way that we think. A lot of times you get around, I, don't, I didn't grow up in, in, how many of you know when I say fundamental Christianity? You know what I'm talking about? 
Some of you probably have a little bit more of a background than I do. I grew up Roman Catholic, but you know, sometimes you get around people and they say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Christian. You know, and they, 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 they use this word, I'm a, I'm a part of a movement. And, and, and they use words and phrases like that. But, you know, it's, it's amazing how that, that word movement, how sometimes it affects our thinking. Because when you look in the Bible, I don't find anywhere in the scriptures where God describes his people as a movement. As a matter of fact, look what the Bible does tell us. Here's, here's what God says to us in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, let uh, uh, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, if you saw like I did, the many times God says in that one passage alone that we are to be standing. And the word stand or standing gives the understanding of an unmovable position. But see, so many times you see people moving. Now, what I'm about to say, I hope you, I hope you take this in love. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, what I'm going to say is truth. It's, it's, it's fact. Billy Graham was a great man of God. Billy Graham was a man that he, he would, at one time early on in his ministry, he would, have, he would have been welcome in a church like this. His message was solid. But along the way, Billy Graham gave himself over to pragmatic ways. And he actually said, look, I'm gonna, I want to see people get saved, and it doesn't matter what it takes, I'm, I want to see people get saved. Now listen, I want to see people get saved. I believe that God wants all to be saved. But see, look, we, we have to understand when we think about this that his motive was to see people saved, but Billy Graham's methods became unbiblical. He said he wanted to see people saved no matter what. We must not compromise doctrine for the sake of results. Don't you believe God can save people? I do. I, I know, I, I met and talked to a preacher. It was a privilege of mine. He was a very old gentleman. He said to me, I was in the meeting in the motel when we met with Billy Graham. And as brothers in Christ, we tried to help him understand that what he was doing was not right. It was unbiblical. And he said, Billy Graham looked right at the whole lot of them and said, you can say what you want, but I'm going to do this. And he defied all of them. Now, look, I believe Billy Graham's in heaven today. I believe he probably led more people to Christ than any person I know personally in my life. But I'm going to tell you something. God's word and God never changes. We cannot compromise the word of God. Now, again, that may not be popular. I'm not saying I dislike Billy Graham, by the way. I'm saying he was used mightily of God. But we've got to understand that we cannot, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, 
But, but look at number, letter C here. I see when you think about a fixed position that if we're not careful and we don't have a fixed position, there could be a grievous affiliation. If you study Baptist history, if you look at church history, you even look at the history of revivals, there's no doubt that the times we live in today versus back in, in, in Bible days, that the times and people have changed. And look what Amos says in Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together? Read the rest of that verse. Except they be agreed. Now, what is it that causes us to have agreement? Is it the color of our pews? We don't have pews. Is it, is, it, is it the color of the paint in our church? Is it because we're Baptist? You know what makes us come together? Our doctrine. What we believe. Do you know that's what separates maybe a church or a Christian, one Christian from another, is do they believe the Bible? I've got friends that I've known for years who along the way, for some reason, I'm not saying I'm right and they're wrong. I'm saying that they have deviated. Remember what Paul said about Demas? Anybody remember what he said about him? He hath forsaken. Yeah, and, and when Demas, look, he, he decided, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to believe something differently. Churches have taken, look, again, you, maybe, maybe you have, weren't raised as a Baptist, okay? But there are churches today who have taken the name Baptist off of their church name. There are also churches that have taken the name church off of their church name. The Oasis. There's a reason, folks, that they're taking certain names off of it because they, they want to just open their arms to anybody and everybody. Look, folks, we have to understand that we are who we are and we're Bible-believing Christians. And the Bible says that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians are to be like Christ. There are certain ways that we look at who we are that we find in the Word of God. The, the world we live in today, there's a plethora of Bible versions that, look, that's all confusion. That's the devil. That's bringing all the confusion. Uh, people don't know what the Word of God is. You go on the internet, the internet's full of tweets and blogs and all kinds of stuff. And here's what you find is, what you find on those tweets and blogs many times is people criticizing uh, what we stand for and what we defend in the pulpit. There is something called a defense of the faith, apologetics. The Apostle Paul did it in the Word of God. But people are making fun of us. There's Christian comedians today who are mocking who Christians are. I used to listen to a guy all the time. He's a good singer, but I don't really have a desire to listen to him anymore because most of his life, that's all he does is mock the Bible way. And folks, we, when you think about this, we've got to have a fixed position. But look at the third point here tonight is we need to have a focused priority. The scriptures must control our thinking. Look, I'm not trying to brainwash you tonight. I'm not trying to get you to think the way I think. I'm just sharing scripture with you. Don't be mad at me. You know, if you want to talk about this, I'll talk with you about it. But I will tell you this, that if you want to talk about it, I'm going to sit there with my Bible open. I'm going to share what the scriptures have to say. I spent a lot of time preparing for this message tonight, and it wasn't my thoughts. It was the word of God that I spent time in. 
And the Bible has to control our thinking. If you will stay true to God, you have to let the Word of God control your thinking. Look at this. What you do with truth will determine what you do with error. Because the Bible says all Scripture, not some, is given by inspiration of God. It's God's Word. Now look at the statement here. God's Word is a truth that stands the test. It's a, the Bible says there in 2 Timothy 3.16, it's profitable, that means it's right for reproof. Reproof is what's wrong in our lives. The Bible helps us to know what is right, what is wrong. People say, I just don't know, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Well, what does the Bible say? It's profitable for reproof. How about this? It's profitable for correction. That's how to get it right. You ever had anything wrong in your life? Maybe you're not like me, but I go... I've had a lot of things in my life that were not right, and the Bible helps me. It's profitable to help me to get things right in my life. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. That means it's going to help me not only to get it right, but how to keep it right. And that's why the Bible's profitable. I love what somebody said. I don't want to be wrong. Uh, he says, I want to be right. I, if I am wrong, I want to know how to get it right. And if I'm right, I would like to know how to stay right. Well, if that's going to happen in our lives, what do we have to do? Stay close to the scriptures. Stay in the Bible. People ask me questions all the time. And look, I can, uh, best I can, I can give a person an answer, and many times I have. Sometimes I can't give them the answer. You know what I have to do? I have to go to the source to get the answer for them. But you know what I tell people a lot of times? Look, I could probably give you the answer, but why don't you find it yourself? You know why? It's going to mean a whole lot more to them, Brother Gilbert, if they found it themselves. Well, guess who's going to show them the answer? He's called the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us in all truth. So if we're going to, if we're going to keep our lives right, the Bible says this about the, the, the children of Issachar. Look at this verse. They were men that had understanding of the times, and the Bible says to know what Israel ought to do. Well, how are we going to know what to do? Where are we going to get that kind of wisdom from? From, from, some, from some TV evangelist? No, from the Word of God. Look at the Bible, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. See, we have to have a focused priority, and the truth, the Word of God, stands the test of time. But then notice, secondly, that there's a thinking that stands the temptations. I love this verse, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that verse. And you think about it, it's describing the Bible. Why do we need that lamp? Why do we need that light? Because there's many distractions that are going to try to, to take us in a direction that is away from the truth. And by the way, you see this all the time. It takes us away the tr from the truth very quickly. You ever see somebody in church? And they're here one day and they're gone the next because they were led astray very quickly they were just led away god's not looking for blenders god's looking for defenders of his word he wants somebody to defend his word and to do that we're going to have to think differently like joshua but listen to this instruction that he received from god early in his in his leadership the, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. Brother Kenny and Miss Becky, they went to camp with our teens, 
And uh, I don't know if you noticed the other day, but Miss Becky, she had green uh, fingernail, toenail polish. She had, she had a green bracelet on. And I said, what's up with all the green? She said, we were on the green team. And I said, I said, wow. And she said, yeah. She said, I even had my hair green at camp. And Kenny looked at me and he goes, I did too. I'm like, seriously, I just think less of you now, you know, <laughs> green hair in camp. And, and, he, and so they had, they had all these ways that they could earn points at camp. And, uh, and, and so uh, Pastor Odom here in town, his son broke his leg uh, right before they went to camp. And so he, co he couldn't do any activity, but he went to camp. So one of the ways that you can earn points when you go to camp is you can memorize scripture and you got so many points for each verse that you would say back. And Kenny said, we would have won, the green team would have won had it not been for Pastor Odom's son because he couldn't do anything else. So he sat there and memorized scripture all week long and, and quoted. He actually quoted from like Proverbs chapter four to like Proverbs chapter 19. But here's what Miss Becky said. She said, I wonder if the day after camp ended, how much of that he could quote. See, a lot of times we have short-term memory. That's why you, you got to read it and reread it and keep reading it. Because if you're like me, it takes a lot to get it to sink into that thick head, to stick, right? And, and when, we, when we think about the Word of God, how important it is, the role that it plays in our lives, that if we, look, if we think, and this way a lot of people are, they're, they're kind of like, even like Billy Graham was a little bit, if we think that everything has to, to be compromised at some point, guess what's going to happen? It will happen. We will compromise. I'm glad our church is coming on 70 years and we're still standing on the same Bible. I can say this with all certainty. If this church was not standing on the, the authority of the Word of God, I wouldn't be here. I'm not saying I wouldn't be the pastor. I'm saying I wouldn't be in this church. That's how much I believe in the Word of God. So when we look at this passage tonight and we think about all that we heard, again, here it is. God doesn't change. His message doesn't change. So then why should we change? Are you with me? Why should we change? Because think, change begins with an attitude, not with an action. I, I, look, I said a lot tonight, and you may not agree with all of it, but why don't you chew on it? Look this over, look at these scriptures, and between you and God, it's not about me, it's about you. And ask God to help you. I've asked God to help me to stay right, to plow my field in a straight row. And let's make sure that we don't get distracted with all the things that are trying to pull us away from God. Lord, thank you for this evening. Lord, I know I've been a little long. I pray that you would just help us to think about this. And I pray if there was something I said that, that maybe in some way was not exactly something that someone wanted to hear tonight, Lord, I I believe that I've said what you wanted to be said tonight, and I pray that, that I would not have offended. Not, maybe the word of God might have offended someone, and I know it's done that in my life. Lord, help us to grow through this series, and I pray that you'd use it as you've already used it in my heart to stir us up again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.